Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. What's good, Internet? It is March 20th, 2017, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 49. Yeah. Or almost episode 50. Uh, We're coming to you live from Lobby One, Vice HQ, like always. And uh, my notes here say, Happy St. Patrick's Day. Be safe out there. I'm well, not you know, there was St. Joseph's Day also yesterday. I hope that the three people listening to this from Rhode Island get that and eat a Zeppola. What? They do what? Eat a Zeppola. What? What did you call me? I called <laughs> A Zeppola is a lovely thing, actually. Well, tell me about a Zeppola. It's a fluffy pastry. It's okay. in Italian. So St. St. Joseph's Day is an Italian holiday, like St. Patrick's Day. There's another Day. one, right? There's a... I'm sure that there's a lot of Saints Days, but this is the one where if you're a Rhode Islander of ah, Italian descent, okay. yes. you eat a delicious pastry called a zeppola, which is a, a sort of like a delicious cream puff. Gotcha. A sweet cream yeah, puff. Yeah, I've done this. It's They're really my, good. My stepfather's Italian. Okay, so there you go. Joey D. Joey D is a perfect D Jersey this Italian. Name. So yeah, Jersey Italian, Atlantic City. Perfect. Lots of pastries. Delicious pastries. Wonderful manja family, yeah, uh-huh. you know. Big Sunday dinners. Oh, perfect. That's the thing is like, here, let me tell you something about, about having uh, parents who got divorced and then remarried. I got every type of possible big Sunday meal in America. <laughs> oh, very good. I like big black family Sunday meal. Sure, yeah. I got, I got big Italian Sunday meal. I got big German. I got two different big German Sunday meals. Oh, wow. It's true. Two different German big Sunday meals. Uh, two different types completely. Oh, man. Very good. There's That's overlap. amazing. Also, um, also uh, uh, Polish. Oh, cool! So All right, lots of pierogies. There you go. I just. You made out okay. I did okay. You know, that sounds really good. I got good. all these people together once when I graduated college. We did like a big, like, collegiate, like, yeah, uh, big party. Party. Graduate. Yeah. I didn't do, I didn't walk. I didn't want to walk for graduation. Sure. And so I was like, okay, I don't want to walk, but I'll do a big party with every corner of my lots family. Lots of family. Yeah. Um, and that was cool. Because those people, nice. none of those people knew each other. And it was like, oh, there's some overlap here. So there's like, it was one of those moments of like, oh, wow, like family. It turns out everybody just gives a fuck about family. Everybody's just family here. It just turns you know? out people care about family. And you're a family to, to us, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. And also you, Patrick. Waypoint family. Patrick is here. Patrick's here. St. Patrick is I want here a, again. I want a Zappola. Give me a Zappola. Zappola. Keep trying. <laughs> what was it? Yeah, I said St. Zap- Patrick Zap- is here again. What's the name of the, the pastry? Ze- oh, oh, Zeppola. Zeppola. Oh, there's yeah. like an E? Is it uh, Z-E or Z-A? Zeppole. Yeah. Z-E-P-P-O-L-E. Oh, yes. okay. Zeppola. One Zeppola, two, two Zeppole. Yeah. <laughs> What's the plural of ze- Zeppelai? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's how you conjugate things in Italian. Mm. Yeah. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Conjugate and or pluralize is the term I actually meant. You meant pluralize. It's cool. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Uh, you can oh, tell I'm, if you're I'm watching. Con- I'm conjugating over here. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's Monday morning. Oh. 
And uh, here's the one nice thing about this Monday morning. Speaking of pastries, yeah, is I got an email this morning that said, and this is like just let me just give you a little insight into behind the scenes advice. This HQ is a very nice email. This came in from Rosie, who is kind of like our office, office manager. Office manager, office yeah. Office manager. Yeah. She says we are launching four five coffee, a local roaster based in Queens, and all of our coffee machines today at both offices. There are croissants, muffins, and pastries set up in every kitchen for you to enjoy with your morning coffee, plus complimentary bags of coffee at the bar area. Oh, word. We can go get complimentary bags. You can get ship some me, complimentary bags bag. to bag launch in your own coffee maker. I'll get you a bag of coffee. Oh, cause all, uh, I got, all I got is Costco coffee over here. <laughs> God. You know. Uh, and it turns out, I just think, I'm not sure. I, you've, you've both worked in offices yeah. before. Um, and I've in every office I've ever been in had the same arc with my coffee there, which is like, oh, wow, free coffee. I forgot I, how much I love coffee. I'm going to drink all this coffee. This coffee's pretty good. And then like a month in, you just kind of forget that you're getting free coffee and you're just kind of drinking it and it's just sludge and it's in your body. <laughs> and then like two months in, you come to hate the coffee. It's like, uh, this isn't my this isn't my good coffee. This is bad work coffee. It has a weird taste. Bad work you coffee. Just get, I just get so like familiar with all of the taste uh, with the taste profile of the yeah. bean that <laughs> the bean itself. I can, I can taste it. I can taste its worst qualities so clearly. Sure, so sure. even if this coffee is actually worse than the coffee we had before, and I'm not saying it is. Shout outs to Four or Five Coffee, whose coffee I'm drinking for free. Just the fact of it changing is like a breath of fresh air. I think it's a psychological thing, okay. for sure, because it's it's sort of like if you're associating being tired and miserable. Mm-hmm. With drinking the thing, mm-hmm. and you're drinking it because you're like, I need to be awake right now. I feel like shit. Yeah, I think that might be what's happening because I like could be. I kind of like the coffee here, and I've been here since October. True, and I, and I've kind of I like it. It's blue bottle. It was blue bottle coffee, which is which fine, is pretty good. Yeah. And now it's this four or five business, which is also pretty good. I need to try all. There's three different kinds. Yeah, I that's the other thing. All. Like you can definitely swap through. There's always been a few different blends. That you can try. Right. So, you know, if you're having a little issue. One of them, the old ones we had was just called Three Africans. It sure was. And I wanted to know which three. <laughs> which three? Because that changes a lot. It, it sure does. About what that flavor profile is going to be. Which three Africans? That's a very vague description for a, for a coffee flavor. Uh-huh. <laughs> three three not Africans. Not four. Definitely not four. Just That's not too two. many. Not two. Too many Africans. Three. Not two. That's... <laughs> I'm going to drink this coffee, and, and here's what I want. I really want you both to talk to me about Nier, a game I have not put enough time into because I've been playing Mass Effect Andromeda. Happy Nier Day. I... Happy Nier Day. Nier oh, Day. Happy Nier Day. Is it's it St. Nier's Day. That, it's St. Nine's Day. It came out a couple of days, but that's it's close enough. Okay. It's Nier Day in that you're going to now talk to us about Nier. Sure. Yeah. Tell me about Nier. Man, Nier is good shit, man. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Nier is uh, knocked uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, not is I will go back to Breath of the Wild, but it has taken over sort of as my my daily game because I I was kind of just scratching at it, and then mm-hmm. it it began to take some turns, and then I just had to keep knowing more about what's happening in this world. Like you know, like they're. Uh, Near near storytelling, I find to be like fascinating, and it's 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 nice to play near Automata, which is a a, right. a game that is fun to play, and then also has just a really compelling world that essentially asks like a lot of big uncomfortable questions about like what's it like to be a robot. It, it turns out it's like sort of depressing, and <laughs> there these robots are working it out <laughs> or trying to. So you've 
beaten it once. You've so this, yeah, the ending. This morning, I f- I, I finished. Uh, I quote unquote finished the game. Like the the credits rolled, and then it informs you that there's ending A, and then the game does something really smart. Which is that there's a note from the public relations staff from Square Enix. Like, it literally Perfect. says, sincerely, Good. Square Enix PR. And it <laughs> says, you know, like, dear player, thanks for playing Nier Automata. Uh, we, we encourage you to, to, you know, load up your save and continue playing. We think you'll be surprised about what you find. It is not merely just playing the game a second time. Um, and they kind of keep it vague. But uh, they, are, they are clearly aware that, like, the average person might just... Finish the game, see the credits, and go. Yep, you know that's. Did it. I've I've done it. I've, it I've, I've seen it. Um, yep. And uh, without getting into what actually happens when you load the game again, uh, essentially there's a perspective shift um, that would fundamentally alter your understanding of the events that you went through in the first game. And I, I'm only about half an hour into that, so I don't have time to do a whole lot of repetition. So I'm curious to see how they avoid you just doing everything you did. The first time, a second time, but hey, you've got right. some different dialogue that gives you insight into the story. I'm not sure how they're handling it quite yet. One thing yet. I know from reading reviews and talking to people is it maintains the level at which you got to in side quests. It does. So, like, for instance, there's, like, the robot, like, parade? karate master. Oh, the karate yeah. master. Yeah. That one too. There's a parade. That I, right, but yeah. so like that Karate Master, I got it to a point in my I'm only, I'm only my first playthrough. Um, we should be clear. We're talking about near Automata. For people who are who have not uh, kept up on that, um, it is a, a an action game that is co-developed by Platinum and Square Enix. Is that correct? Yeah, I, 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 yeah. He's the um, the designer. Yoko Taro. Uh, he's is, internal. Yeah, right. And uh, it is a, a a wild action game, a character action game in the sense of like Bayonetta or something. Um, and the the one quest that we talked about, I think briefly a couple weeks ago, was like there was a karate master robot on the roof, <laughs> mm-hmm. and every time you fight him, he gets tougher. And so I got him to a point where I was like, I'm not going to fight this guy anymore. I'm but he's done. but like let's also let's contextualize this uh, karate, like calling him a karate robot master is maybe giving this man or this robot man a little too much credit like he is just yeah. he's hanging out on a weird roof that's hard to get to that like yeah. requires a very specific set of jumps in order to even make it over there and then when you do like he's he's just He's this goofy ass looking robot. He's like a little, little robot yeah, yeah, man. He, like yes. he, he looks like the, the the construction of this robot is is uh, akin to a lot of these sort of like regular like uh, cannon fodder robots that you find all throughout the world. Like the kind they of guy look like early twentieth century tinker toys. Like they look like, yeah. like that you would wind, wind them yes, up yes. and they just kind of, yes yes exactly. Some uh, of them also resemble Big Hero Six a little yes, bit totally. in the sort of face and the body and the. Th- but then he gets tougher. You beat him, and he's like, "Bring me twelve, like metal." <laughs> yeah, but give me planks. some screws, and then I'm gonna. Yeah. And then he just gets like more and more intimidating and like larger. I think I fought him three times, and then had to leave because it's I, I almost wasn't that he was gonna beat me as much as like I just couldn't do enough damage. It was like I'm gonna be here for thirty minutes mm-hmm. if I'm gonna actually finish this. So I right. decided I would just come back. But uh, it's so I like that it saves your progress on those like oh so all my all things. my all my side quests yeah. are just gonna carry. Oh, that's smart. Yes, because the actual yeah. main storyline is pretty short. Uh, like if you were just to, to you know like kind of just run through it, you could probably do it in just a couple of hours. Like and so I did a significant number of the side quests. Uh, with the exception of some that were just too high level for me uh, the first time around. 
Did either of you ever play the Way of the Samurai games? I remember no. them. So, I don't know that I have played one. I think that the series kind of gets away from itself a little bit at three. I, I like. I think that they're campy and fun, even in the post three, like three and four. I don't think I don't know if five came out or not, but one and two are really exceptional and really underappreciated because they do something. Uh, this just sparked me. What you were just saying about the main story being short just sparked something in me, which is that. In those games, you could sit down and beat that game in an afternoon. Way of the Samurai 1 especially, you could beat in 90 minutes. Like, the longest playthrough of that game was like 90 minutes. Way of the Samurai 2, I think the longest playthrough was three hours. But in both cases, there are like 18 to 20 endings or something. (laughs) Um, And you end up being, you know, you're a wandering samurai who comes into a a town that is, you're like, it's it's the Ojimbo story, right? Mm -hmm. Who's caught between two different factions and which faction you side with and which characters you interact with and how you answer dialogue and blah, 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 ends up spiraling out into a bunch of different possible endings where you're unlocking weapons that power up between playthroughs and and stuff like that. And it's a model I just wish we had more of in, in games. Like, to some degree, it's almost like an interactive version of In a Grove or Rashomon, the kind of like different perspective story of of like the the it's a samurai story by Kudagawa that uh, that Kurosawa ended up shooting. That is like oh, all these people saw things a different way. Um, and obviously, it's not exactly like that. Like there is no truth you're uncovering. There are right. just a bunch of different endings. But I really love that notion of like you can play through the main thing here in a brief amount of time and what you get differently is all the different variation based on what you're doing and I, I want to see more people play with that format. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out in in this game and like how that, that deviates because it's, it's a really interesting storytelling choice and especially because my guess is it's going to dig deeper into the stuff that really drew me into uh, mm-hmm. Automata in the first place, which is like if you go back and you know we've talked about the weird, complex mythology of the of, of Nier and how that links to Drakengard, but like right. you can you can thoroughly like despite the fact that I have maybe this will change with subsequent endings and there'll be more like links that are interesting, but like Nier and Drakengard's connection like it has no bearing on your ability to like enjoy like the the larger philosophical questions that are asked in Automata like Automata like at its like at its core is like asking a lot of questions like the there are these these there are machines that were created by aliens that invaded Earth and then Earth fled to the moon and is using what they call automatons but they're just you know advanced machines that are uh Androids, the androids yeah. that are are, um, yeah. are are they look like humans, but they are they they have consciousness, they have uh, emotions, although the, they are told to tamper them down. Um, whereas the machines that are created by the aliens are more of like are the, yeah these like tinker toy sort of like I don't know nineteen twenties thirties like sort of uh, yeah. uh, uh, robot designs and and a lot what happen you discover th- through the course of the game and this is not spoiling anything this is this is like the uh, core question of what's happening in Automata is like even those robots that were created by the aliens developed their own form of consciousness and like some are passive and don't want to fight the humans or the uh, um, the uh, um, uh, the androids anymore and so like how do you like deal with that even though you're on a mission where you're supposed to like kill these people uh, or kill these ro- you know you, well, I say them as people because like a, a lot yeah, of the game said it. They have a, lot, thoughts. a lot of what yeah. the game yeah. does is establish like what does it actually mean like like is there anything unique to humanity and what does it say about uh, humanity's like robotic creations that develop their own form of consciousness in the form like of the visual form of humanity like for example there are robots that um, and what I found super interesting uh, that it explores in ways that I won't get into plot wise like is that like all the uh, both the uh, 
your characters and other machines are connected to a, like a larger network. And some machines decide to disconnect from the network. But if you disconnect from the network, if you die, then you can't be uploaded to the network and like redownloaded and like put into another uh, a body. And so like these a lot of the like the questions it's asking is like what does it mean to be alive in the vis- like the the visage of a human but not to have any of the limitations of humanity and a lot of the robots start exploring what that means like what if i disconnect from the network then death is a real thing like de- right. like if, that if, if i am ki- yeah if i am killed mean, is that meaningful in some way yeah. right or what does that mean and so like these are like right. these larger questions that like are really fascinating the like thing- I- I love here is that it doesn't just fall into the same like tired but but innovative at the time sort of like binaries that Blade Runner uses sure. and like things inspired by by Blade Runner and and lots of other science fiction that does the kind of like like where does a ro- robot versus humanity when when is a thing where is that split at what makes a person a person like it does all of that stuff but then it like subdivides it further or it adds a little bit of a new uh, a little bit of nuance and then also is just like filled with gut punches of just yes. like it doesn't necessarily philosophize and, and, and over-intellectualize. It does a lot of that also. But it, but on top of that, on top of, of doing the sort of like thematic deep dive, it also just spends time eliciting an emotion from you that then informs how you think about this stuff. Like, Patrick, you messaged me and I'll, I'll censor a little bit of this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give a spoiler away. I, was like, I got to the blank part of Nier this morning before work. And I was all set to tweet out a little video with a snarky tweet, but it mostly just bummed me out to watch the scene play out. So I got sad and moved on. Yep. Is that your experience? That Danielle? sounds like the near experience. Uh, so I had a very interesting and wonderful experience with near. I played last night. I played the sort of first section mm-hmm. uh, and a little bit past that into sort of the, the real sort of beginning of the game. And then my friend who I was playing on her PS4 She's obsessed with this game. Friend of the show, Amanda Cosmos. Shout, can shout her out. I uh, uh, wrote a fanfic for us. Wrote a fanfic for us, exactly. Waypoint writer, Amanda mm-hmm. Cosmos. And then showed me late game stuff, late into her second route. Okay. And showed me pictures and showed me, you know, sort of all sorts of stuff. And I was immediately sort of enamored with this. Uh, not only sort of the style of the world, mm-hmm. I love the costumes. Yeah. I love how weird and individualized everyone is, even though they're supposed to be automatons. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fascinating to me that that core concept right there and then all the little bits of story you get about the other characters like your operator six zero tells you all these weird things about people in the world and that says so much about her and it says so much about every little piece of this world it just it just feels like this is a world of robots and we're supposed to think of a world of robots in a particular way as if everybody's a clone or everybody's you know just just a machine quote unquote but then there's so much individual style and individual detail to everything. Also, really love the music. But I was going to ask oh, if you had gotten so to a specific oh, point. The amusement park track, God. the vocals oh, are, yeah, are so, good. so good. The, the village, the village is yeah. maybe really my favorite too. music. I, I in think the whole for game. me, it was the there is a moment in the amusement park where <sighs> everything sort of swells. So I'm not going to get again. I'm not going to get into specifics. Sure. But there's like, I, I love it when a game makes me go like, oh, this game's going to do this. Like I didn't know this game was. I didn't know this yeah. game could do this. Uh, that's always a fantastic feeling, and is is one of the reasons I love playing games so much. Yes. And so I'm glad that Nier seems to be filled with a bunch of them. Another thing that Nier can do is, uh, so so like you mentioned, Patrick, there are a bunch of endings. Um, I think there's five main endings, uh, or and five then twenty six. Like there's a little Easter egg so ending. I too, found which an is Easter. Amazing. I found one Easter egg ending. If you don't want to hear this Easter egg ending, that's totally. I fine. I don't know if it's the same one that skip ahead by like forty me. seconds or yeah. something. 
there's a thing that you can do in this game, which is called you can self destruct, uh, which Your is black I understand. Box. Right. Well, sorry, that might be a different thing. There's an option. Or maybe that is a black box. I don't know. There's a thing in the options that lets you just self-destruct. Uh, and that doesn't oh, yeah. kill you. I think that like does damage like an AoE around you or something. I don't know because the only time I ever used it was while I was on like the mother base, like the home station that you go back to. Um, <laughs> you blew it up? It oh, blew it up. Shit. It was an ending. And it came up and it was like <laughs> – it said, like, with a hole blown through the side of the space station, like, everyone was sucked into space. And that oh was the end. Everybody died. And then credits start playing. Yes. <laughs> and it takes you back to the main, the home page. And it says, like, you've unlocked ending, you know, H or whatever. And then you can load that save. And you're just, like, right back into the. <laughs> That's the, so good. But it's so good. It's, like, such a goofy, fun thing that, I, that I'm that i There's happy. a lot of those yes. that are really amusing, for oh. sure. So I'm excited to see. Did you see a different one? Yes. Okay, we don't tell us. I won't tell you. I won't tell you, but it's it's really good. I want to just briefly say this. Um, I really love when sci-fi does this. One of my favorite episodes of Star Trek Next Generation, Mm -hmm. it's Measure of a Man, season two. It's sort of the personhood of Data is on trial, basically. And it's like a courtroom drama, but it's asking a lot of those big sci-fi questions. When a game can do measure of a man basically or mm-hmm. sort of do like personhood and yeah, yeah, yeah. whether robots What's have personhood person? yeah. but also do it in such a stylish and wild and sort of wacky way like this, the storyline of this game is wonderfully bananas right. in certain ways i it just it makes me extremely so, happy the thing that i like the thing that i i kind of figured out a new way to talk about the thing i was trying to get at before which is the thing that that excites me because i love measure of man i like blade runner i like stories yeah. about that question what I really like about Nier is that it decentralizes the human as normal yes. or as the only arbiter of meaning. The thing with Measure of a Man, the thing with, with a lot of sci-fi stories about this is that what they do is they say, how do we know that that thing is valuable? Is it a person? How close is it to, to humans? Us, yeah. Right. And what Nier starts to do, even in my first playthrough, is starts to draw doubt on whether or not we should be using human as the prime arbiter of value. Yes. Um, it, it like moves away from that anthropocentric view of the world and says like, oh, actually, there's just a bunch of different types of meaning in the world. And and sometimes appealing to – or trying to be like a human is really grotesque because like <laughs> what we do is not like – It's not the best Organic child. beings are kind of gross. We're all Our, nasty. Are kind of gross and we like – cut that out of our image of humanity, right? Like we do the Descartes model of like humanity is like more like an elevated, angel. Yeah. Elevated. We're like, we're thoughtful. We're rational. And like, now nah, you're kind of in the dirt fucking. Yeah. Like that's kind of what you're doing. You're doing a doing. sex. Yeah. And that's okay. But like, don't understand that there are lots of ways that you can find meaning. And so Nier seems to be digging into that stuff a lot. I uh, I really wish Mass Effect was. Yeah. <laughs> if I can pivot briefly now that I can talk more openly about my Mass Effect sure. experience. I'm 30 hours in. The first time I think I liked this game really, the first time that it like didn't feel – the first time that it's that it – that I raised an eyebrow and was like, oh, I'm curious about what's happening here was like 25 hours in, which is yeah. over a day of my human life. Now, I don't know about my of robot human life. life yes. My robot life could go <laughs> on. Give it all the value. I don't know how days yeah. work in the future. Um, but 25 hours before I hit a quest and and – the thing that worries me is it's a quest that at least one reviewer, I think the Eurogamer, I don't remember who, who it was over at Eurogamer, but they shouted out that specific quest too. 
in a way that made me feel like there wasn't going to be much more <laughs> like, like that's that. the one. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, and it reminded me a lot and it reminded the Eurogame reviewer, uh, reviewer also of Vermeer. The plate, the planet I mistakenly called Novaria on Friday's oh, podcast. You, you son that. of a! I'm, oh I'm my terrible. god! No, Leave it. Novaria is the snow-covered, like cyberpunk it's corporate. Where haven. there's a base. You know, I was yeah. going to correct you, but I just wanted I you to go out there on your own and just have to learn Vermeer, a lesson. I know, I know. Vermeer <laughs> is the one that has the genophage uh, cure, and I, I'm sorry, fans, everyone. Um, but this this one quest line in Mass Effect is the first one that was like, oh, wow, this has shades of Vermeer. This is like a hard decision about something in the world. Like, there are stakes. Um, and like, literally, there. I don't think I've made a single choice before that that felt like it had stakes before 25 hours in. And the other thing is that there are also didn't seem like there's a lot of choices in terms of low stakes stuff that is about priority. So like yeah. one of the things I like a lot about um, so the high stakes choice that happens there is about priority. It's like do I want to do A or B? This is one earlier one on the first planet you go to that's similarly like do you are you like military or are you, are you like a science? Which one are you? <laughs> are you a science? Are you a science or are you a military? Um, <laughs> Common sci-fi question. It's a trope. You know. Right. Yeah. I, and then later there's a similar sort of like there's a similar thing I'm not going to get into what the question is. But the, at the broad scale, one of the things that I – again, like I hate to keep trying to ground my feelings about Mass Effect Andromeda in previous Mass Effect games, but I feel like I have to, um, is that when I open up the, the map for Mass Effect or Mass Effect 2 or Mass Effect 3, I get to look at a list of cool things I want to do and places I want to go and say like, ah, uh, um, I'm going to go to this weird planet that has like meteors falling from the sky nonstop. Yeah. Excuse me, nonstop. Or uh, mm, I'm going to go do Tali's uh, uh, loyalty mission now. I'll come back around to, to do the rest of the stuff that's on that's on Omega later. Um, that's like you get those choices at the small level here. Like when you're on a planet, you can say, "Oh, I'm going to go do. I'm going to go run around and scan twelve rocks." <laughs> oh, um, really? That famous you, mission. Twelve rocks. The twelve rocks. It's nineteen rocks, and they're spread out across every planet. No. And also, oh, that sounds rocks dope. Already, they're not just. Mm, hmm. I hate this quest. So <laughs> you get a quest that says like. Oh, we're here in Andromeda. We got to find out what the what's plant, what's rocks like. What are rocks like in what the Andromeda are the galaxy? Rocks like? Fair. Uh, and so you have to go out and start scanning these rocks. The thing is, they're they're individual certain rocks. They're like, oh, that's a rock of uh, uh, platinum. And I know what you're thinking. We have platinum in the Milky Way galaxy. I was thinking we, that. We do. We shouldn't need to scan this new <laughs> platinum. Two. There's There are just resources in the world that are just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go pick up that platinum. You can't scan those. Those don't count for this quest. What the you hell? need to find the one platinum rock no. and scan that one. And then you, you get it and you crush it up and you snort it and it's near. It's like a platinum oh, right. fresh in your brain. Uh, platinum automata. Uh, yeah. put, put some platinum in your coffee. Uh, no, it's <laughs> I need some platinum in my coffee. The... Oh, man, I really – I'm like – at this point, I'm sticking out Mass Effect as a fan of Mass Effect. Yeah. That if seems to be game, what a lot of people are are treating this yeah, game. I've gotten that vibe from a today. lot of folks. So I will say this. Like I'm now at hour 30, and this is the first time that I have um, 
Sorry, I just got a calendar update that says Horizon Demo, bring Zoom. And somehow I made a, a calendar update in my in my calendar in uh, March instead of in January you know, when I first saw Horizon Zero Maybe Dawn. you should go back and play some more Horizon. Maybe that's what, this maybe that's what Mass Effect it, it is telling me. you. I was talking about AI and it was like, <laughs> no, we. I have a good AI story. Come play me. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so like I'm 30 hours in to Mass Effect Andromeda at this point. And there are a few things that stick out as being really high points. I think that that one quest was really solid, and like I think the music has been really strong so yeah. far. I think that the combat is is often rewarding, sometimes a slog because the the kind of way that combat encounters are situated are just not that interesting. Sometimes the level design isn't that amazing, right? Too. Like it's Which not compounds that I think right. Well, and it needs to be good, right? Like this is the yeah. thing: the, the difference between like Dragon Age Inquisition, which had these big open maps that you would then like walk into a place and fight some guys, is that they had encounter design, which meant like, okay, the thing that's interesting here is that I have to deal with four dudes who have armor on, and my party is not equipped to deal with armor to break the armor down before I can do good damage. Um, uh, whereas here, it needs more than that. It also does need, like you said, good level design where like it, it really I'm helps. encouraged yeah. <laughs> to use my traversal powers. I'm encouraged to flank. Um, and while the, those mechanics are good, the places that that stands out are in these very specific scripted sequences where good level design has created fun spaces to move yeah. around and shoot through. It's yeah. why the multiplayer works for me still. For it's sure. like, oh, wow, like people handcrafted these levels to be really fun, to have good sight lines, to like have give me the feeling of like, I want to rush like from one side of the map to the other so I can save my friend. And like that just doesn't happen in single player or like yeah. barely at all. Um, even when someone gets killed, it's like, oh, yeah, they got shot in the middle of a field because they weren't taking cover. Thanks. <laughs> Jaw. Good job. Nice. Um, and like at this point, it, it doesn't I like PB. feel. I like PB enough. PB and I just hooked up. Oh, nice. It was like a casual thing. You and PB. I can't I, get I, Patricia I to hook I'm up gonna, with PB. I think I'm, I'm going to hook mad. up with. You should. You should watch the PB hookup. All right, I will. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, and it's like pretty pro. Like, it's a pretty a mature, like actual mature good. take on like. Oh, let's just fool around. That's pretty awesome. Which was which was positive. That's pretty um, great. I think I'm going to date Vetra, who is okay. like also the a good choice. Very good choice. I love I her. Think that's who I'm going to. Hey, I got a, a question okay. about the the romance in uh, Andromeda. Yeah. Is it any different than just if you just hit on him enough, you get so, to have a sex? You, well, there you get <laughs> shut down by some people. Right? Like okay. Cora is Cora straight, doesn't which, like girls. Yeah, which is it's a little disappointing. All of the queer women in my life are really upset about. Really that. not happy about <laughs> it. Um, be, well, like for a specific one, one because like Cora is cute. I guess she's cute and she just she's gives tough. up a lot of queer vibes. So that's the, that's thing. the thing. And it's the it's it's the third time this has happened. Yeah, Jack, Cassandra, I think, is the most extreme. Uh, you don't think probably. Jack is the most extreme? Well, you yes. Because she actually says yeah. she likes men and women. She literally says She that. actually says she's mm. bi. Yes. And you cannot have fun with her in such a way. In such a way. In such a way. I mean, she doesn't like You're it. right. But that's the thing. So so the thing, is, the thing that's tough about this is, like, I do think that there is value in having straight characters. Of course. I do like, I do like the notion that everyone isn't just bi, even though it's the future and things can change. I, mm, I don't know what I feel about this. We're in a podcast. I just wish it was all poly. That's all. I, or not I, no, all. This is the thing, like, I, I wish think there that were there possibilities is... for poly relationships in right. this game. Sure. I wish in there was a possibility games. for a lot of those things. I think there is – I think it's really complicated with Cora, Cassandra, and Jack. Yes. Not complicated. I think it's shitty because those are all characters who draw on 
queer coding to be cool, For sure. like to present themselves as badass and cool, yeah. and then also are not themselves or, or are not dateable. Like you said, Jack literally is bi. Is, she is, um, yeah. Which all of that's like – it's not secondary necessarily because I think like this is a big part of why people come to these games. It is. It's a huge audience <laughs> for these games. And yeah. something I'm trying to work through is why have I been coming to, mass, to, to Bioware games? Like partly it is because like as someone who played like – uh, a Quarian dude. I got to romance Cassandra in Dragon Age Inquisition, and that's a really good romance that even engages in some of the, the interesting complications of like intercultural relationships. Huh. There's a great line in it when like you finally commit to dating Cassandra, where she's like, "Listen, like I worry that like not worry like we shouldn't date, but like." 50 years from now, everyone's going to look back at, at us and say that, like, I was the frail human and you were the big bestial quarian and, like, and that you, like, somehow, like, overpowered me. And that's bullshit. But, yeah. like, we have to th- be thinking about that all the time. And that sucks. And that's, like, a really, like, oh, it's wow. that they wrote yeah. that. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. This, they, yeah, Get Out's a real movie. Yeah. Like, it turns yes. out. So, like, that was really interesting. So there are ways in which I'm really drawn to that aspect of this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And then when I think about the original Mass Effect, I'm not just going to redo the Friday podcast here. I'm going to give space back to Nier and and questions and stuff in a second. I think a lot about what the notion of frontier meant in that game versus in in this game. Yeah. and, and I was already, like, making notes on this, and then columnist, Waypoint columnist Cameron Kunzelman says, thoughts regarding your Mass Effect stuff on the podcast on Friday. Get ready for some Cameron Kunzelman-ass shit. Ready? Oh, good. Mass Effect 1 is actually the frontier, the limited space where the boundaries are being pushed by a non-solidified political assemblage. Thanks, Cameron. Mass Effect Andromeda seems like it's the security state under, like, a Greek system. Here is a world we have to wrangle into one exact political form. Uh, and that's, like, completely right and, like, gave yeah. me a way of thinking through. So, like, to, to unpack that a little bit or, like, translates the wrong word. But, like, Cameron's deep in grad school right now. And when you get deep in grad school, you forget that not everybody else in the world yeah. uses words, words like political assemblage. Um in in Mass Effect 1 and in those early games, it's like, oh, wow, I can go to all of these different places and everywhere I go, I find some new weird cultural thing that is not – that is itself normalized as being the way things work on that planet or the way things like how they're reflected from some, some reach out from a corporate planet closer to the core worlds or whatever or, or towards the Citadel. Um, whereas here, every planet you go to, your objective is to fix it. Your objective is to make it good for humans. Um, it's like go in and flip the right switches so that the desert planet that has bad sandstorms loses the sandstorms and gets a bright blue sky. Right. You go to the to the ice planet and you're like, not so much. Uh, no more blizzards, please. Make this a place where I can live. Thank you. And <laughs> and sometimes that's even cultural in the sense of like I mentioned on on Friday that there are really only two alien species um, and. While their interactions are really interesting, the thing, one of the things I really don't like is the ways in which 
rider is the first person in one of those like well, the first person to like unravel this ancient mystery of this one species right like in a throwaway thing not even a main like plot thing it's kind of like oh yeah I figured this thing out despite the fact that you were like a team of like anthropologists PhDs working on it from for this ages place. Yeah, and to some like, degree that's always going to happen in any quest based game like Geralt is always going to be the one who kills the werewolf the villagers aren't um, yeah. but somehow when it's all so big, it, it it takes away from it. Like, Shepard often solved really small problems um, and, like, would do a big quest line so that, like, one scientist was saved or one criminal was killed. Here, it feels a lot like I'm coming to, I'm coming to bring everything into, into perfection and I want it to get more complicated. Now, 30 hours in, it is starting to get more complicated. I finally went to a planet where there were some people who were like, man, fuck the Andromeda Initiative. Mm-hmm. And, like, we have good reasons for believing that. And, like, I'm hoping that this is a turning point. I will report back in probably at the end of the week. Um, but I don't I, know. I'm still trying to unpack what I, what I get from these. I'm getting this overwhelming sense and this might be me totally projecting so tell me if i'm wrong but mm-hmm. that this is a mass effect game by people made by people who are really tired <laughs> i don't know it's like this weird sense of everything about this game i and i and to be fair i like this game i i, I am enjoying yep. what i'm actually experiencing of it it just feels like folks who were given a blueprint yeah. and they're like, okay, we're going to do our best, but something was off in sort of every aspect of production, and it just right. feels like, I, you know, I see it in my own work when I get very, very tired. It's like, it's there. I did the thing. yeah, And it's there, and it's deliverable, but it's not like gleaming to the degree of like a good, you know, rested and, and well thought out sort of thing. It just feels I'll, tired. I've been thinking a ways. lot about that quote that's been going around about Breath of the Wild. I don't know if yeah. you see, I think it was Al Numa who said it, which was like every time we reached a big milestone, the whole team stopped working and played through the whole game and mm. gave notes on it for a week. And like, hmm I have testing. no I have no idea what Bioware's production schedule is like. Yeah. No idea what if you know I have some idea. That is not a normal thing. Um, I'm sure that there are some studios who do that, but but I wish more studios did that thing. I mean, that's a like, blessing, right? It a, is. It's a blessing uh, of budget and time. And totally. And, yeah. Uh, and management and like and, management. and having having a timetable that is realistic, but then also one that like someone there, someone at Nintendo could have been like, no. Like, we're going to take this two out. days off to do this. But they're saying, at least, that they took a week off at every major milestone to, to play through that game. And, like, I want that to become industry standard so bad. I know. So bad. Huh. Anyway, that's my Mass Effect check-in. Sorry, you brought up Star Trek, and that was my one way in. <laughs> I, I get so, it. I, so I can bring up Star Trek every day. I think cool. we need to just – I think we need to reconvene on Friday for the, the robot AI club and see where we're all at. There's a lot of robots <laughs> and AI stuff in Mass Effect. I mentioned that before. Uh, um, it's my, not doing very My last thought, just on near Please. And Zelda is that holy – God, have Japanese games been good this year? What a good year <laughs> so far for Japanese Jesus, games. Jesus, basically. And Persona's out soon. So. Persona's out soon. Uh, I should just really briefly say I've played through the first dungeon of Persona. Oh, okay. We've we passed like a preview embargo at some point, okay. so I'm allowed to say that. Um, that's a real stylish game. Oh, good. That's a real stylish game. It, it, <clears throat> it immediately starts in on some of the stuff that was 
maybe uncomfortable about past games. Like it immediately is like, oh, sexual assault's a thing in the world. Um, And so – but I don't think it – it doesn't – I don't think it mishandles it. It's just really – it gets intense um, in terms of the one like antagonistic character um, who like – yeah, it's it's an interesting entire first dungeon arc. Um, But the core – conceit of the game is really brilliant and it's a really nice flip from past Persona from Persona 3 and 4 specifically which were like oh yeah we're going to go into this dungeon because XYZ like um, here the reason you're getting to the dungeon like in in Persona 3 you were trying to climb this big tower because it was weird and in the middle of town and monsters and in 4 you're like (laughs) oh we have to go rescue this person Um, in this one you're going in to do a heist you're going in to steal something, uh, and the thing that you're—it's it's, you're basically doing Inception. Good. You're trying to change something in the real world by stealing something inside in of this dream psychological world. dream world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that stuff is handled super well, and it's really charming and stylish. And I need to get back to that game. So, but I've taken breaks for Zelda, and now at Nier and Mass Effect, and I don't know. Shout, anyway, shout outs to Japan. <laughs> good, good job, I, and, I, Japan. and I will I will say uh, I would rather live in a world in which Mass Effect Andromeda was like an all another yeah. all time classic. I will also say I I'm gonna skip playing that for a couple of weeks. And yeah. It's kind of nice that I like the relentless pace. Yep. <laughs> I, I'm allowed I'm allowed to say okay. Do I want to play Andromeda? Ooh. Yes. Do I feel like that? Like is my time probably better spent like digging deeper into to Automata? Probably. Um, and it's sort of nice to have that pressure off a little bit. Although I don't, I'm not happy that it's at the cost of of automata of uh, automata and Andromeda. Andromeda, uh, <laughs> Andromeda being as good as a lot of people wanted it to be. Sure, um, that's fair. Yeah, so. my advice for people who are like torn on Mass Effect Andromeda at this point is to wait a few weeks, and then to come to it the way. I came to Dragon Age 2 mm-hmm. or the way I came to Destiny, which was post-first expansion but before Taken King made it like actually really good, um, which is like know what – have the right expectations. Like know what's going on in this game. Yeah. Come into it with lower expectations and I promise you'll have a good time or a better time. Yeah. Um, I, like the, the reality of it is – Lots of people are going to buy Mass Effect Andromeda because they like Mass Effect. Um, also, real, real fucking briefly, one, there are still goofy animations in that game. But those are not the thing that are taking away from this. Yeah. Also, for sure. two, fucking, can people just chill? Can shitheads on the internet just please chill? chill. Uh, yeah. Good, good luck with that one, Austin. Please. I chill, know. Friends. I just wanted to like. Voice support for the people who are on the receiving end of harassment yes. from deeply misguided, ignorant, and hateful people who are going after uh, a former animator from Bioware. I, I posted a thread that was like, hey, I want you to take a deep breath. Yeah. Put down your keyboard. For yeah. real. For real. If you if you feel the need to harass someone over this, just put down the keyboard, take Fuck. a deep breath, look at your life for a second, know that it's really pathetic to harass people, and know that you don't have to be pathetic. You can totally be. That's not gonna move them. You don't have to be pathetic. You can be. You can do it. Have to be pathetic. You can be a a decent human being. I promise. It's not that hard. Just take a second. Take a breath. Please. Take a knee if you need to. Just do whatever you got to do to just chill. Work through what that anger is. Work through it, man. Try like really think about why you feel this mad. Where did that start? I don't know. Just just take a breath. Find someone to talk to about it. Yeah. It helps. I used to be shitty. 
I used to be we, real shitty. Everybody has been shitty. Anyway, but there are ways through it. There's a path through it. Support to those who are on the receiving end of harassment. Yes, uh, always. Find out more about that on Twitter.com. Twitter. It's, <laughs> it's a place. Just generally speaking, it's a place to work through speaking. your shit. <laughs> Fuck, man. Anyway, uh, let's turn to the question bucket. Yeah, let's and do see that. See if there's anything here that's a little more lighthearted. The question universe. Yeah. Andromeda. Uh, okay. This comes in from Brian in Redmond, Washington, who says, "Recently, uh, dear vice keepers." new. I like that. Uh, recently, Mirror's Edge Catalyst was $8 on the Xbox Digital Store. Mm. I love the hell out of Mirror's Edge Catalyst. I jumped on that game when it came out, tore it apart, and put it back together over the course of 100 hours. They took wow. everything I loved about the first game and enhanced it, excised all the shit I didn't enjoy or didn't care about, and gifted me with an open world that was so fun to move around, sorry, so fun to move through that I didn't want to fast travel. If I had if I had a platform where it mattered, I would happily give it Game of the Year, edging out The Witness and Cluster Truck. Naturally, watching it come out and just utterly fail distressed me. Did everybody else play a different game? This isn't like David Cage's Mass Effect Andromeda <laughs> where a game is just failing to meet the hype. This, the game came out, I loved it, and nobody else did. Have you ever loved a game that everyone else or at least a vocal majority seemed to dislike? Mm. Did you feel like you had to hide that opinion like some sort of anti-hipster? Uh, is it normal to question your own value when you prefer something the world at large does not? I think this is an important question as we move into the following weeks of Mass Effect Andromeda, where certainly there will be lots of people who love this game and are living under the constant scorn of people who are just dunking on it. I can't think of a game that I had a similar experience to him. I wish I had his experience with uh, with Mirror's Edge Catalyst, because that's a Mirror's Edge. The original is one of my favorite games of all time, and I wanted nothing more than to love Catalyst, and it just didn't didn't connect with me. Right. I mean, I think you and I both love. And you too, Danielle, like lots of games that are – this is the the kind of AVB 7 out of 10 thing, right? Oh, like for games sure. Games that are not necessarily great but are interesting. Um, you might recall that we stayed up playing Alien Isolation together Hell once. Mm-hmm. yes. Um, which is a game that got kind of shat on by a lot of people. It was very divisive. Uh, I don't think like. that counts as – no. What he's talking about it, like Alien Isolation, I mean, was generally a liked game. Like it might have been dunk. Yes, well, oh for sure. Arthur gave it a six point five at the time. I was at okay. Polygon, okay, and I remember feeling very like, how how could you? you what know? was it was? So I understand the feelings that this person is having. Yeah, sure. I feel like Mirror's Edge also just mostly got Mirror's Edge Catalyst got like middling scores, like sixes and sevens. I think, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, seven point four Metascore. Oh, that's actually. Pretty that's, high, that's all right, actually. actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like, so that's yeah. so maybe that's the first step. Is and I've I've actually run into this a lot over the last couple of weeks while talking about like games like Mass or Mass Effect, Horizon, Zelda. Um, really take note and see if it's true <laughs> that the thing that you feel is being dunked on is being dunked on. Like, is yeah. are you really an outlier? Obviously, if you're really into a thing. That is pretty clear. They're like, oh yeah, I'm way into Mirror's Edge Catalyst in a way that nobody else is. But but chances are most other people who who played it are like not so far removed from me. They're just like, oh yeah, it's okay. It was an okay t- way to spend 20 hours or whatever, right? There's also the tendency to hyperbolize, especially if you listen to a lot of gaming podcasts. A lot, and, yeah. and I take full blame for this because I certainly do this. Uh, but I I think a lot of us do. Engage in hyperbole sometimes, yeah. like oh, it was kind of shitty, or oh, right. this is the best thing ever. Like it's it's something I a- attempt uh, to work on a little bit, yeah. but it, I know I've been guilty of it. Uh, for Austin, sure. I think pe- people sure. are I think rightly pointing out that Dragon's Dogma is probably one of these games. There you go. 
Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Dogma is a great yeah, that exactly. game reviewed yeah. very poorly. People did not like Dragon's Dogma. No. Yeah, I, mm, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I feel like I'm on this end of things fairly often. Um, the Alpha Protocol is a game that people are pointing out, which is oh, also yes, a great sure. example a of that. Um, yes. Also, even in the Bioware canon, Dragon Age Two probably right. a great example of a game Absolutely. like that. Absolutely, people hated Dragon Age Two <laughs> yeah. for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah, and I liked it way more than most. But again, I also recognize the thing. That, so here's the second step. Here is just like try to recognize what their specific problems were. Most yeah. people who don't like a thing who write about it have outlined at least a little bit what their why what there the was a disconnect is. for yeah. them, yeah. right? And so chances are like you had a better handle on the – not better, but like you, you just enjoyed it the way it moved around, you. right? You like, know? Yeah. But, like try to dig into why that is, right? Like sometimes it can feel really immaterial and abstract and just like, oh, I just liked it more. But like try to dig into it a little bit and see what worked for you that didn't work for other people. That will in the long run just help you find better games, more games for you to yeah, like. Yeah, like why does Austin Walker like a bad game like Dark Souls 2? Like we're still not right. sure. Like, <laughs> no, we haven't knows. quite figured it out. Zero people have liked Dark Souls 2 except for me. It's true. Well, like, that's, but that's totally fair for me. So, like, uh, we, we, we've, ta- to- we've talked about this privately, I think, where, like, I, as someone that gives no shits, really, for, like, the general lore of, of Souls, yes. like, I'm there specifically for, like, the game part of it. And, I, okay, that's, mm-hmm. I don't want to say that, like, the lore isn't part yeah. of it. You know, you, but you know what Good. I'm saying? Like, you I'm there it. for, like, the boss encounters. Mechanics. Like, there's nothing very specific yeah. that I'm there for, and the lore is, like, ta- is very tangential to my experience of that. And in, and I found Dark Souls 2 to be profoundly disappointing from that angle. And then right. when we've talked about it, you find Dark Souls 2 to be, like, the most interesting from, like, a lore perspective, which is a and lot like, of what a, you find uh, fascinating like about a, it. Just, like, a thematic angle more than even just, like, specific lore notes. Like, it's not just, like, oh, hey. I mean, part of it is lore. Part of it is, like, it did it did kind of cement the notion that there was something cyclical happening here, that things were happening again and again. It also, the things, one of the things that having to work through this did for me is like, oh, people really love that in Dark Souls 1, everything is like firmly connected, like a little clockwork device Mm -hmm. where like you can be in Firelink Shrine and and kind of see and understand how everything connects clearly. Um, And it didn't have that effect on me. Like it didn't, that didn't move me much at all. And that that at that point you don't need to dig deeper. Like I don't need to get. I don't need to you know start doing a special second therapy just for why I don't necessarily <laughs> love the clockwork world of Dark Souls One. Like oh, I just don't. It, that just doesn't speak to me in the way. Um, but but uh, you know you can even go a little further, which is like in Dark Souls Two. One of the things I do like is the breadth of potential spaces there in terms of like it it doesn't it feels like a wide world instead of a tall world um and that works for me even when it's even when it's like nonsensical like dog i'm throwing lightning bolts like i'm okay with harvest valley turning into like the weird iron king place like that's i'm totally okay with that yeah like everything is timey-wimey in the words words (laughs) of the bonfire uh side chat podcast um I'm totally fine with that stuff. So, like, digging into why you like a thing more can be really fruitful. Um, Just, like, recognize – try to recognize that you don't need to – you don't need to go to bat for something. Obviously, I feel like there is – it's hard to, like, not do that sometimes. When you're passionate about something, it's hard to not – 
but it helps you to, to to be able to have what that argument is, um, and also pick pick your battles on that. Like yes. I don't go to bat for Dark Souls too. That's not a fun thing. That's not a fun conversation. <laughs> it's to be not part a fun of. battle because it's just people going, "No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong." That's and, like, that's also, me in our Discord chat every right. all day. <laughs> here's, the difference, here's the difference between you and your Discord chat uh, and our Discord chat and people on the internet is. You just say it once. People on the internet, I'll be like, oh yeah, I really like Dark Souls 2. And then it's like 300 responses underneath <laughs> of people not reading any of the other response threads. Fuck. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so, uh, Sh- uh, Shu had notes that Dark Souls 2 is actually spacey wacy. Dark Souls 1 is timey wimey. <laughs> is, is timey wimey. Thank you. Um, let's get one more question in from the, from the old question bucket. Uh, let's see here. From. Okay. Um, uh, there's a really long one about the the synthesis ending of Mass Effect. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh God! One. Okay, uh-huh. yeah. Green, um, go green, okay. baby. Here we go. <laughs> you sound fully confident. Yeah, this is actually interesting. I think Patrick, I'm really curious what you, you're going to say about this based on the mm. piece that you had go up over the weekend. This comes in um, from uh, Maria. Uh, apologies for pronouncing that wrong. It's M R M A R I Y A, which like phonetically looks like it's Maria. Yeah. Um, Hey, Austin, Danielle, Patrick, Danica, Rob, and the rest of the Waypoint crew. Mass Effect Andromeda has been so far skewered by fans and non-fans alike. It's also attracted a lot of hate for its creators. I'm a big (sighs) fan of the series, and I want Mia to be good. I want Mass Effect Andromeda to be good. I also want to express – sorry, I just realized – at some point, if, if EA ever writes a, uh, an apology for the way it was at launch. Mea culpa. Mea culpa. Mm-hmm. M-E-A yep. culpa. I want, I want to point out that Austin did that and not me. That Even was though I thought of it, writer, but I saw it. The headline writer in I me. I saw it right there. It's like, boom, I, we need to write that down. It. Uh, you hurt, Patrick. I'm a big fan of the series. I want Mass Effect Andromeda to be good. I also want to express my disappointment in the game. It feels like adding, but it feels like adding fuel to a fire. Mm. Do you think it's wrong to criticize games with large hate followings? Doesn't goodwill criticism get lost in the maelstrom? At this point, whenever I retweet bad animations, I just feel like a bully. Uh, what do you, what Such do you think? a good question. Yeah, this is something I've felt very, very, very strongly, uh, even more broadly about like. Hey, a, you know, somebody who's in the world of games who maybe has opinions about things and gets hatred for their opinions, maybe I don't agree with all their opinions. Yeah. What do I say about that? What do I say about all these kinds of things? So, yeah, it, this, is, this is a really, 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 really important question that I think, I think it is important to offer your criticism, offer your fair opinion, but also do it really carefully in this case. Like, as with a lot of things... If you're putting it out online, if you're actually you know sort of putting yourself out there online, think really hard and critically about maybe don't just retweet like yeah. a, a, a stupid animation, animation or something. Yeah. Maybe say, hey, there's things I like here. There are things that I find disappointing here. Let's talk specifically and critically about this. Don't be afraid of, to leave Twitter behind and write oh, this. Yes. Also <laughs> put this in a place that's not just 140 characters. <laughs> that's also a huge part of it. Yeah, well, I think, like, you know, like, part of the uh, the motivation for the story that I wrote over the weekend that was, like, you know, uh, trying to more closely and critically examine, like, at what point did it be, did the discussion around Andromeda move from, like, politely dunking on a game that people were excited and had some animation issues to, like, a certain viciousness, like, that yeah. th- that just, like, felt off-putting? Like, it didn't, like, it's the that exact sort of, like, like moral arc or ethical arc that you were talking about, Danielle, of like, 
Like, okay, the first one that I retweeted that someone added a funny meme to, like, hey, we're just all having some fun. We're excited for this game. It's got a goofy walking glitch. Like, yeah. ha, ha, ha. Like, that's fine. Uh, and at a certain level, like, it just felt like people were – that snowballed into, like, well, fuck this game. And fuck yeah, Bioware. Right. And, like, fuck the people that worked on this game. And there there was a, a viciousness that felt deeply uncomfortable because the place that the – like the commentary, the animations, the dunking was coming from was not from a place of like let's have fun, some fun with a game that we're all excited about. It was like mm-hmm. it was it was mean and it was it was angry and it was like a different part of the internet that was building upon itself because you know it, you people were getting a lot of retweets and likes and favorites and you yeah. know reblogs on this stuff and so like the cycle builds on top of itself and I think also you see this in. Uh, harassment, like it doesn't excuse yeah. it, but I think yeah. there. I think you can uh, within people, like certain folks that are going in and saying horribly misogynistic and horribly racist things. Like they may not be necessarily motivated by actually being those. That may not be in their heart of hearts. There's an excuse what they say, but they know that they can get attention and join a chorus that makes them yeah. feel good because they are part of a group, which and is its own like sort of misogyny and, yeah. and yes, like which is like oh, I don't prioritize this other person's like quality of life because they're a woman. I'm allowed to just dunk on them. Of course, women are equal, but I yeah. But. And this that is different. Is always, yeah. Like, yeah. ugh. It's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to unpack. <laughs> or the other thing that happens a lot, too, is, like, the person who joins in because they, one, they see a big group doing something and are like, yeah, like, yeah, this game does look fucked. Yeah, the people who are saying it's fucked, they're just telling the truth. They're just saying, they're just telling the truth. Gotta be, you gotta hear both sides, man. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> mm, or, like, I've had a guy in my, in my, in Twitter, in my mentions. In your mentions. My new podcast in about your... things people tweeted at me this week. <laughs> in my mentions. In, in my in mentions. Men- That's kind of a good name. Men- that is pretty um, good, actually. I like can that. We, let's, can we re- remove this from Quick. the pod? Don't share yeah. that name. Hmm. <laughs> we yeah. gotta use this. Uh, the, um, the, there's a, been a person who's just like, oh, well, it was, uh, Regular Bioware didn't make this. This was not Bioware didn't make this game. Mm. Like, <laughs> wh- 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 Wait, conspiracy Bioware right? made this game? Indoctrination theory. <laughs> <laughs> Sovereign. This secretly. game was made in Russia in a secret lab oh in Novaria. Like, just like, what the fuck? I've seen some... Uh, Rachel Maddow has all of the... I, she has it all. <laughs> you know, she has all the missives. Shout out to Rachel Maddow. There was a really wonderful... And this was something in my mentions... Uh, this weekend that was actually really fantastic and tied into a lot of this and it was from the god it was like it's called untrolling it's from i don't know I don't i'll know. find the link we can put it in the show notes sure uh but it was it is um dylan marin who does a video series where he actually oh. talks to trolls who have oh. trolled him oh, on his videos yes. and this was like a 10 minute long video uh you know anonymize the voice so there's no possibility of this person being trolled sure uh but like actually reached out to someone who trolled him using homophobic remarks and all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff and it sounded like this was a kid because he talks right. about going to school and right. things like that and they had like a real actual heart to heart about like what it is to troll someone what it is to bully someone what it is to dogpile in this fashion basically yeah. and they had an actual incredibly productive and respectful conversation where the person on the other end said like no I'm not going to do this anymore like now I've talked to you I know you're a real person and that's a huge part of this. Mm-hmm. It's like actually seeing people as real human beings and not just like a name on the internet I can dunk on and yeah. ruin their life kind of thing. Um, uh, that I, I think that's 
worth watching for anything around harassment and around the ways in which social media have empowered harassment in certain ways. Totally. So uh, briefly from the chat, people are pointing out, oh, well, it was the new Bioware Montreal studio that okay. did this. One, uh, that includes the previous... Not Bioware Novaria. Not Bioware okay. Novaria right. in Russia. Which in, just in Russia, in Siberia. Uh, uh, yeah. One, it does include the previous lead writer of Mass Effect's, uh, Mass Effect 3 is on this team. So it's not like there's no continuity. And two, by the end of production, every every single Bioware studio was involved with this. Bioware Austin sure. was involved. Yeah. Bioware Alberta or not, uh, Edmonton was involved. Um, like it was a very big group of of uh, like their entire like their whole studio system was involved. Not as big as Ubisoft, not thousands and thousands of people. But if you check the credits to this game, like there is clear continuity with the previous games, um, and so there it's important not to like. We joke about the like Russia thing. There isn't a silver bullet for why a game is fucked, right? Like, Absolutely. There, there isn't a single person on the team who would make something bad, outside of like if a manager like s- stole a bunch of money and bounced. Do you right. know what I he mean? Just took, right. He just took the animation That's budget and just bullet. like right, <laughs> right. Well, that would fuck <laughs> over. Right, exactly. But like everything passes through a bunch of people. There is QA. Yeah. There is like oversight. Like. Yeah, problems with games a- are systemic. Like, and that, right. this, is, this speaks to something Massive. we were discussing uh, a couple of uh, weeks back about the lack of actual information of how games are made. Like, when a game has an issue like this, where it's like, oh, the animation seems off, there is a quick uh, desire to vilify someone for that that problem. And right. like in this case, you know, not only did they misidentify people who were even associated with that problem, but that even if they had identified people who d- worked on the animation on Mass Effect Andromeda, like the issues that that has are systemic, deep and go far beyond an individual team or team leader. Like the 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 way these games are made these days, it would probably be impossible to pinpoint it to a single person and the desire to find mm-hmm. and string up a single villain uh, while while a uh, I'm not sympathetic to the people that are going to do that. It is understandable to look for faces to blame things Same. on rather than just the faceless Bioware because emotionally that's what we look for. But it also does speak to our lack of understanding of how games are made that you could see oh lead animator and then be like ha ha we solved you. it. Granted, oh, granted. Yeah. I, I even if we lived in a world where we had a better understanding of that, or people even wanted to understand that, they would still seek out a single person and use that to dogpile. And so I don't think one. I don't think solving one solves the other. I think one, I think both still exist, even yeah. with, with uh, additional information available. But um, it would help. Yeah. Yeah, it would it would be a start, right? Like, you know what it would, might do is it might take some of the people out of the equation who do the piling on. Yes. Yeah. And, like, prevent it from snowballing in this way. Yeah. I don't know. It can be tough to be in this space and, like, wanting to write about how cool a game is. Or, or like, the question asker, you know, what Maria said, which was, like, having criticism for a game like this and then, like, needing to frame those such that it's really clear that, like, you're not happy with the final product, but also please don't dox this this woman Absolutely. or this brown guy. Like, which is don't do that. insane that it has to be that way. Right. But that is the terrible future um, that we live in. it's just tough to just be like, man, like, is this where we're fucking still at? Yeah. And, yeah, we still are. We are. So we've been here forever and we are going to keep struggling to make this place a little bit better. Keep fighting that good fight. Yeah, That's exactly. what I'll say. Exactly. 
I don't know. The fucking Pathfinder hasn't had to deal with any trolls. <laughs> I know, right? That would help. Maybe we just need to go to Andromeda. We're gonna. This is the thing. This is no. This is the problem. You don't get to go to a new place and like, oh, there are no trolls there. I know. Like, there's a lot of rocks, though. A lot of Maybe rocks. Maybe there's some trolls stand. under those there's, rocks, yeah, Austin. Up. Okay, that's a stretch. I'm not even mad at you because it was just such a bad stretch. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. Do you think, think there's a quest, like, if you look under those rocks, you can find out the secret of the three Africans? Oh, maybe. I'm going to end this podcast. <laughs> I'm ending it right now. I'm Austin Walker. You can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Danielle, where can people find you? You can find me at Danielle R.I. Patrick Klepek. On Twitter. You can find me banned on Twitter at Patrick Klepek. <laughs> you are banned on Twitter. Tim uh, Barnes, you can find it at Tim Barnes four five one on Twitter. He's our producer. Shout out to yeah, Tim, Tim Barnes. Uh, Dylan is not on Twitter, probably. Dylan, are you on Twitter? Dylan's, Dylan's not on Twitter, but he's head. still great. He's great. Shout out to Dylan. <laughs> shout outs also to Bowen, who lets us use his song "Miss You" off the EP "Pale Machine." You can find out more info about that at Waypoint Zone slash B O E N. Find everything we do at Waypoint at Waypoint Zone, Waypoint Vice dot com, DigitalPyramids.com, yeah. etc., etc., etc. Someone is walking around our set right now. I don't Probably know. Probably ready, ready, ready to take over. Ready to take ready over. Ready to pounce. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a week of robots here. I mean, that's yeah. not a theme. We, I'm not, I didn't just bring <laughs> this it's on It's not you. Robot Week. There's just a lot of robots Welcome around Welcome to us. Robot Week. Can you do it like a... That was so good. That was the sounds robot makes. That was a really good that's robot. That's the first time I ever made that sound effect. That was just in my heart. <laughs> I let it, it out. It was in your mech heart. My mech heart just <laughs> unfolded and revealed a second mechanical heart. <laughs> oh, my God. So tune in. On Friday, we'll come back and have more thoughts about this stuff. Uh, as always, you can find us here on twitch.tv slash waypoint, and you can find archives of the streams we do. Not these streams that we do. We might change that all soon. We'll ones, see. But though. all the other ones uh, at youtube.com slash waypointvice. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back on Friday. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.